0: Try to kill us but my village too strong Long live the peak. Here we go again with the bullshit you Long live the
1: peak. We have all these mixed blood people over across the country We cannot exclude them
2: There's nothing wrong with being Red River Métis We are all Métis There was an attempt to define Métis And we said no. There's Métis from Red River. What's wrong with Métis from someplace else? And they were also Métis people.
1: Uniting our people is at a very sad state. We
2: are all Métis.
1: Welcome to The Jig is Up. Uh, We are doing a special episode tonight because we were able to get a phone conversation in with the woman who took the video up at the uh, Conklin camp of the fish being confiscated, and her name is Roxanne Powder. And without that video, none of this really probably would not even have come to light, so we were really lucky to get her on. And we did. A, we had about a 15-20 minute conversation with her. So we wanted to get that up for you guys right away so that it's fresh and, and you guys get kind of the first-hand knowledge or story of what happened. And then... After that, um, I'll update you guys on the meeting that we went to at the end of the show, and it'll all make sense by the end of the show what I'm talking about. Um, so yes, here's a special episode for you, and I hope you guys enjoy the interview and the conversation with Roxanne Powder. Try to kill us, but my too strong. Hello everyone, welcome to the, this edition of The Jig Is Up, and uh, joining me today as always is the Professor Jason. Hey Jason.
2: How's it going this evening, Darcy?
1: Not too bad. And joining both of us tonight on kind of a special edition here is uh, Roxanne Powder, and she is from the Conklin area community. And she has uh, would like to share her take on what happened uh, the other day when the Alberta Fish and Wildlife came in and stole their fish out of their camp. So, welcome to the show, Roxanne. Thank you, Darcy and
0: Jason.
1: And, uh, just tell Good to us, have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And maybe just tell us, uh, you know, what, what, leading up to when Fish and Wildlife showed up, what was happening, and then just kind of walk us through what, what yeah, I guess your experience was of being at the camp.
0: Uh, the incident happened um, on Friday night at the Conklin-Métis Culture Camp. It's about 150 kilometers from Fort McMurray, south of Fort McMurray. Um, I had the camp started on thursday which um was the day the fish was being prepared by one of our community members to get ready to smoke the fish Um, i wasn't there for that part of it i ended up getting to the camp on friday when i had arrived at the camp fish and wildlife was already there and they were already asking questions about the fish that was on the racks being smoked um the Fish and Wildlife Investigator um, had, had an anonymous tip that there was an illegal net um, and that, that's how the fish was caught, apparently. But the the fish, I mean, they're, at the camp, um, it's about 10 kilometres to the nearest, to our uh, lake. So, it, yeah, it wasn't at the lake. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they were asking questions about um, license, fishing license. And um, two of our members had admitted to having, um, uh, I guess, having to uh, bringing the fish to the camp, I, I guess. <laughs> and uh, they were, um, yeah, they had, they, did, they were. we were all sitting around the campfire, around the rack and uh, they were talking about um, the fish and wildlife had wanted to be fishing and license, but they weren't produced so they took two they the fish and wildlife had went off and talked privately t- together and then when they came back we asked for um, our two elders to go and talk to them privately and so they took them aside and talked to them privately and I'm not sure how that conversation went, but when they came back, um, our elder Ernie Desjardins had said that they were going to be taking our fish, and we all gathered in a circle around the rack and held hands in protest for them not to take it. Um, But um, the conversation with our elder Ernie and the Fish and Wildlife—I believe he was—he might have been told that if we didn't cooperate, that they would have taken his truck and a cell phone from him. So that's why he was cooperative and that's what it shows in the video. And yeah, we were all upset. It's like you could see in the video, we were all yelling, telling them like, you know, we're, we're, we're Métis people in uh, First Nations. Um, the kids were saying not to take the fish. The elders had to sit and watch and yeah, it was just, it was very upsetting to have to go through that as a community. Um, after the after the fish was put in the bag, the fish and walleye walked away, they where they're walking to their truck and the video had stopped but all the community members still followed them and uh pleaded to give the fish back and asked what they were gonna be doing with it. The kids were begging them to you return the fish. So yeah, it was it was very upsetting. It ruined the mood in the camp. Yeah, I could say that our camp wasn't the
2: same. So to the best of your knowledge, was was the fish caught at the camp or was it caught before the camp started? It was caught before
0: the camp was started and it was brought to the camp.
2: So no one even at the camp was fishing? No. Oh. And so did uh did they net the fish before you guys got to the camp or was the net ever even used?
0: That I don't even know. I can't I mm. can't even speculate on that. I have no idea how it was even caught.
2: Was there any follow up? Have you heard what did they do with the fish after?
0: Um, that there is no follow up from um, I have no idea what they have done with the fish.
1: And from what, what I understand is uh, there's still two of your members that have uh, tickets outstanding for illegal fishing. Um, so sure. is there? It, it, I guess is that going to be going to court, or are those tickets going to be reviewed, or or is it just the, according to Fish and Wildlife, they were ticketed and that's that. Is the
0: tickets still stand? So it will be going to court.
1: Okay. Now, you had said that uh something that i didn't know about was that they had actually threatened to take like to impound an elder's cell phone and their vehicle if you guys didn't cooperate is that
0: i do believe i do believe so yes
1: wow that's yeah
0: a... and i mean we're not we're, we're not a violent uh, community and that's why i mean in the video it shows that we you know we we cooperated yeah even absolutely. though we didn't like what was going on
1: yeah and, and this camp I mean this this is not the first time you guys have done this camp so it's not like this is new correct like this is a, an annual camp that you guys do as a community yeah am I right Yeah that's yeah. that's
0: correct it's an annual camp uh, we, uh, we have traditional teachings um, yeah for like our culture our metis culture. Yeah. Yeah, It's a celebration.
2: Yeah. Was this the first time you guys had uh, smoked fish at the camp?
0: Um, yes, it is.
2: Mm. Wow.
1: And then, from what I understand, too, like the day before this happened, so I guess it would be the Thursday, um, the, mm-hmm. the minister from the Alberta government was actually there, Richard Feehan, uh, walking through yes, the camp.
0: He was. Yes, and he would have seen the the fish on the on the rack smoking already,
1: <laughs> oh wow, interesting
0: yeah i I'm hearing he's gonna be out here in Conquin more, and there might be uh some fish given out,
1: <laughs> oh really,
0: Those us cross our fingers. yeah <laughs> when
1: when when was this tomorrow?
0: yeah, tomorrow, Friday, tomorrow at ten o'clock they uh we're having a, a meeting, and uh, i I believe he is coming back to our community to personally
2: apologize oh interesting oh well, maybe we'll get your fish back
0: yeah maybe we'll get our fish back
1: <laughs> if If i could ask is this meeting open to the public if uh you know other members like um so is it open to everybody if if they wanted to, to come by
0: I, uh, I would think so. Our community is a very open community. We're very inviting people. I mean, we've had um, people that weren't a part of our community that were at the cap. So, I mean, we we welcome people with open arms. And as soon as they came in, all the women offered food. And, yeah, so.
1: Wow. Well, it's really it's quite a shame. I mean, um, so as a community, uh, if you guys are looking at, like, next year's event, um What do you think are some of the steps you guys are going to take next year to to avoid this kind of thing, or is there a way to avoid it? Do you think?
0: I would I would think there would be a a way to avoid it. Probably having the the correct documents. Um, But then again, like we're Métis people, we were practicing our culture. (laughs) I don't believe we did anything wrong, and uh, I I think we we can. um, I mean, we can all learn from this mistake and. And uh, try to do the right thing next year. Yeah. Whether or not we have to get licensed to practice our culture, <laughs> which we might.
1: <laughs> which seems silly when you say it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's quite silly.
2: So then, how long- so how, how big of? uh Oh, go ahead. Doris. No, you go ahead, Jay. Well, I was just wondering. So, typically, how many people come out to your camp?
0: Um, probably around like. 30 to 40 people at a time like people come and go you're yeah you're free to come and go and you're I mean there is there was canvas tent set up if you like to stay the night no, yeah, nice. so we have some of our uh, some of my kids stayed out um, that night in the canvas tents they have uh, wood stoves in them to keep them warm at night and then we yes. have a, a cook on on site um, during the day, so right from morning till night, night um, cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're usually traditional meals.
1: Wow, and and you guys uh-huh. do this, and, and is it a week long camp that you guys do every year, or
0: it's and usually it's the weekend? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's about three days.
1: So what, what, um, what kind of repercussions are, I guess, what, what kind of effects has this had kind of on, you know, you said that the, the kind of the morale in the camp went down immediately, um, which obviously that would happen. Uh, what, what kind of morale is in the community now? Like how do the, are the, you know, how are the children reacting? Is there a lot of, you know, do they have, I guess, a lot of hard questions to ask? ask or like how, how are people feeling now with the apology and, and things like that? How are people feeling?
0: i know there was an apology made but it was mostly made i mean for the community was made in the media it wasn't um something that was said out loud to our community um yeah most community members had to hear both the apology in the media so i mean you still don't really feel good about it when it's when it's uh put out that way wow i'm yeah
1: yeah you'd think that would warrant a phone call or something
0: yeah it would have been nice if somebody would have came out and said uh the province and the minister had issued an apology and i know it, i think it would, be, would have been nice if we would have sat down and discussed it as a community to see how we all felt about it because mm-hmm. i still never i didn't feel good about it even after the apology came and the tickets still stand so and we never got any fish back. So. I mean, you still don't. There's still some hard feelings there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Mhm. So on a personal note, what uh, you said, your kids were there. What was their takeaway from that interaction with the official wildlife department?
0: Well, my daughter Kylie, she's First Nation, uh, and she she had uh, she has status, and she had her status card on her, and she's actually under the age. She's she's fourteen. And she had went up to the Fish and Wildlife officer and showed her status card and wanted them for from she wanted them to return the fish to her. <laughs> that was that's how she felt like that was going to be good enough, but apparently it wasn't good enough. <laughs> they asked, they said they need more documentation. of what they told her. So I don't know. It just
1: so much it paperwork for some like fish.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what's the point of having your status card and even a Metis card if it means nothing when you're practicing your culture?
1: Yeah. Well, now, have you, has your community, uh, I guess, been given any support either verbally or, or with phone calls or whatever from outside of the community, from, from different places that maybe you didn't expect? Have you, have you experienced anything like that?
0: We've been having overwhelming support through the video. Uh, I've been getting them through messages. Um, yeah, it's it's been great support. I mean, not all of it has been great, but a majority of it has been. So, I mean, it's it's brought a lot of awareness, and I've, I've gotten a lot of messages from people that had had culture camps or are going to be having culture camps and wondering if something like this happens at their camp, what kind of documentation will they need, and to be prepared, so that they don't run into the same problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mhm. And I know my our, our uh, community leaders are—they're um, working on it very hard, and they're. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it's going to go to court, and I hope that they fight a little bit harder. They do fight hard for uh, our Métis rights and and challenge the court. I would like to see that happen, but it might be wishful
2: thinking. <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, had any contact? I mean, you might not know, but have you had any contact from the uh, Métis Nation of Alberta and their legal department?
0: Um, I'm I'm sure that our uh, Métis uh, board members and leaders are probably discussing that with them privately. Uh, yeah, that I that I can't really um, guarantee, or, or I like, that's me speculating on it. But I would hope that they are.
2: Well, hopefully when the minister comes out, uh, maybe that ticket will go uh, disappear.
0: Yes, for sure. Well, I'll be there tomorrow, and uh, I'll probably try to record it if I'm allowed to, maybe even live stream it.
2: (laughs) Well, that would be super. We'd love to be able to uh, see that firsthand since we won't be able to make it up there.
0: Yes, for sure. I'll, I'll see what I can do.
2: Well,
1: actually, uh, I think I will be there tomorrow uh, if it's at 10 because I'm currently in Fort McMurray and I'm going to be heading back to Calgary tomorrow. So I think I'll just swing through Conklin and stop by.
0: Okay, great. Well, looking forward to seeing you, Darcy. Is it Darcy?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, great.
1: So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, I guess, what he has to say and... Obviously he'll apologize, but it'll be interesting to see what he has to say moving forward as to how they're going to make uh, you know, these changes that he talked about in his public apology where he said, you know, they're gonna work hard to make sure this doesn't happen again. I'll be curious to see mm-hmm. what he has to say.
0: Yes, for sure, me too. I'd like to see where this is gonna go. I hope. I hope um but I hope there's some good changes for our Metis people.
1: Well, you know, and that's the if there is a positive out of this, I think it, the one thing I think was it, it could be a catalyst for, um, for actually, uh, you know, pushing change through through government policies and things like that, um, just because of the the absolute outcry from the public that I saw on on social media. So you, I mean, you never know. I mean, it is a very negative thing that happened, but at the same time, if you know, if, if government policies get changed and we actually see some some give on the whole, uh, you know, traditions and, and traditional um, gatherings, um, perhaps it is a positive thing for, for not just your community but for the entire province even.
0: Yes,
2: that's, that's right. Yeah, sadly, it's usually through these kinds of confrontations that we're able to bring this discussion forward. And there's so much oversight, like... In you know, the, like licensing back, which should be um, a traditional Métis harvesting, right? And you have to have the proper paperwork. It, you know, these kinds of things need to be addressed. Yes, I agree.
1: Well, that's great. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would, I'm would. i really looking forward to meeting you tomorrow and, and hopefully uh, and see and just listening to what Richard Feehan has to say and, uh, you know, and meeting others in the community tomorrow. So I, I'm very excited about that.
0: Awesome. Excited to
2: meet you too. Well, that's good. I, I think uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, giving us a little bit of firsthand information about what actually went down. And uh, it was really great of you to be able to be on your toes and post that video live so that we could uh, all kind of see what was going on up there.
0: Thank you, Jason.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, and, and yeah, thanks for posing. Like I always say to people, you know, you got to record these interactions, and thank, I'm, I'm just grateful that you did because yeah, you know, the rest of us on social media got to see what's going on out there. and uh, So thank you, and I, I'm looking forward to meeting you tomorrow.
0: Yeah, looking forward to meeting you too. Thank you for having me on the show. Try to kill us, but my too strong.
1: Hey, guys, so it's Friday night, and uh, we recorded a conversation there with on Thursday night with Roxanne. From Conklin, and you know, we ended the conversation by me saying that I was going to head down there for the meetings, and because I was in Fort McMurray at the time, and I did, uh, and I wanted to kind of give you guys a heads up. So we're kind of doing the conversation with Roxanne Thursday night, and then today is an update about how those meetings went. The meetings were interesting. I found that uh, there was a lot of interesting things said, and I'll, I'll start with the minister uh, Richard Feehan. I he he did show up with uh, two boxes of fish. As a, uh, as a, I guess, as a gesture of goodwill between him and the community, but you know, some of the one of the things that I did notice is I do think, uh, and you know, I know they're politicians, and I know you can't trust them, but I did feel like the minister's comments and his overall demeanor really showed that he he actually did care. Uh, he sem- seemed very genuine in, in his apology. And, and I will say that he, he did make a, a lot of comments and a lot of conversation was had. I think he was there for a little over an hour. And he talked about how, you know, by this time next year, he wants to have a Harvesters program in place. Um, obviously, they're starting with the Métis Nation of Alberta because that's the only game in town, according to them. And so that's something that they're working on right now. And he, he is implicitly said that he wants it so that next year at camp... They don't have to worry about this. They don't have to deal with this. Which is good news uh, on that front. I think that's a very positive thing. And I think it's it's great that he's giving a timeline on this. And um, so that's something I think we can all look forward to. The other positive thing that he did mention is that he recognizes that not all Métis are members of the Métis Nation of Alberta. And that they need to uh, gather people together to form some sort of committee to figure out how to provide those same... Uh, that same access to harvesting rights in all areas of the province, to all Métis in the province. And he even specifically mentioned the fact that, you know, down in southern Alberta, there's no technically no um, uh, Powley designated communities, uh, like historic Métis communities. So it's not fair that just because you, you move down to Calgary or you move down to southern Alberta for, say, work or something else, that you don't have your harvesting rights. So I think that was a very positive... Uh, thing that I took away from uh, you know the Alberta government's viewpoint in the in the fact that they actually recognize there's other Métis than the MNA members, and uh, I will say that this got that got a little bit of a angry reaction from the local Métis Nation of Alberta representative, but it is what it is, and he said it many times, and he even specifically said that you know just because you're not a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta doesn't mean that you don't have section 35 constitutional rights and i think for a minister to say that is just absolutely phenomenal uh and it to me it showed that he actually knows a little bit about this and while i didn't like some of the verbiage he used when it came to powley i think we can take some positives out of this and hopefully you know we can see some movement forward uh there was a lot of comments and, um, and things said by the people in the meeting from the community of Conklin. And I won't repeat their stories because a lot of them told stories and I, I don't think it's uh, right for me to repeat them uh, secondhand when I, it's not my story to tell. And so I want you guys to stay tuned for to the show because we're going to try to bring some of those voices to the, to the show uh, over the next few weeks to let you guys hear these stories, you know, on your own and and on the show and and firsthand and uh there were some very interesting stories there were some sad stories uh a lot of anger towards this situation and, and and the situation in general towards Métis people and uh so yeah but it, it, it was very interesting some of the comments were were eye opening uh, to to say the least and then I did have some private conversations after the the event or the meeting I guess and those were even more, um, you know, eye-opening. And there's a bigger story in Conklin than just this fish. And that's a story that we're going to try to bring to you as the weeks progress here. We're going to try to bring those people to the table. We're try- going to try to bring their voices to the table. Because there is a bigger story here. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's just, honestly, it's a story of why we started the Métis Society. Uh, Métis Society is, is founded on the principle that we want to strengthen our communities, we want our communities to be strong, and we want the communities to be the driving force behind any Métis organization, but specifically ours. Uh, this top-down pyramid scheme board structure for nonprofits is not a system of governance. And it was made so evidently clear today that that is a non-functioning, completely useless style of governance. And, uh, you know, there are people that are, are being extremely negatively affected by M&A policies and government policies that do nothing for people. They don't make the community stronger. They don't make people's lives better. And their voices are not getting heard. In fact, they're being uh, quieted uh, on purpose. And so we're going to ferret out these stories and we're going to bring them to light over the next uh, couple of weeks, hopefully and bring them to show, bring them to the podcast and bring them to the YouTube channel. So stay tuned for those um, because there's a big story here. There's our Métis brothers and sisters up there need to get their story out and they need to get their voices heard and they need to get the public to know about what's going on up there Um, and and the, the politics and the bad policies need to come out and be ferreted out and brought to the light. So stay tuned for that that's all i got for now uh you know and and if you have any questions or whatever you can send me questions at podcast at gmail.com hit us up on twitter uh, um Podcast. so you know uh just stay tuned though and and what you can do though is what i hope you do is i hope you get everybody you know that's Metis to listen to this episode and i also hope that you get some anybody you know if they to listen to the future episodes at least for the next few weeks till we can ferret out more of this story and bring some of these voices from Conklin to you guys, um, and, and give you firsthand knowledge of, of what some of the problems that they're facing up there and some of the issues that they're facing up there being a traditional community, traditional Métis community who Richard Feehan uh, acknowledged as being a recognized traditional Métis community. And they're facing some severe, severe problems, uh, because of bad policies and that's all it is it's bad policies bad policies and and money that's not getting to the people that to do any good um so that's all i got for now stay tuned and to the people of of conklin if you're listening to uh roxanne for um you know taking me to the to the meeting today i want to say thank you i want to say thank you to everybody that was there the whole community that was there uh that, that allowed me to record and allowed me to be there thank you for allowing me into your community and thank you for for putting up with me while i was there and um, I, I really hope to get to know a lot of the people in that community a lot better over the next little while um, but it was i was i felt uh, really honored to be there and i'm glad that i am so glad that i went there it was uh, absolutely eye opening but it was also just great to to see you know these uh, People living a, a traditional Métis life And, and just meet, I met Some great people So thank you to them for that And for now The jig is up
0: Long live the creek hey. Hey, hey. My late cooking came hey. from Kawaka to the spares you woman probably popping that. It's poor man's if you wanna talk the language A hundred clicks north in is the rest You still gotta be a chief to wear a headdress So take your shit off before you ruin it for the rest You better listen to your heart, there's too many heads Watch what you say, man, It's way too many feds